Hello, I'm Kristen McDonald, and thanks for listening to Second Vision. Today we're going to talk about how you can end the hidden cost of failing to set boundaries. Saying yes when you really mean no can really impact your health much more than you realize. Boundary expert Pamela Miles offers salvation to those of you who can't say no. Pamela has a three-week online course. She's a best-selling author, and she's here to share some tips with us. When Pamela was 11, she asked her mother for a book about yoga, and her life shifted forever. Her interest in the wellness and medical field led her to becoming a leader in yoga and meditation. She studied botanicals and became a vegetarian and even went to an Indian monastery for two years. Pamela soon had a following as people flocked to her to improve their lives both physically, mentally, and spiritually. Pamela is an expert in the practice of Reiki and also brought her knowledge to the mainstream medical field. She's collaborated with some of the top and most prestigious institutions in the country, taught at Harvard and Yale. She's been interviewed by wide range of media, including CNN, NBC, Fox, Allure, and the Dr. Oz Show, not to mention U.S. News and World Report. I am so delighted to have her with us today. And we'll all learn on how we can, we'll touch on how we can set better boundaries in our life. Welcome, Pamela. Oh, thank you so much, Kristen. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we are delighted to have you with us. I mean, when I, when I read your background and I saw that you opened that book at age 11, you know, the, the fun thing about this show, Second Vision, is that Second Vision is all about reinventing yourself or finding another way to look at life. And I think your shift happened at age 11. Mine was later in life when I was diagnosed with the with the RP. But um, I, I thought that was really fascinating at such a young age that you had, you know, you were so impacted by opening that book. Tell us what happened. Well, I was always interested in the inner world and fascinated by all things of the Orient. But I never expected that my mother would actually find a book on uh, yoga on the <laughs> sale table and bring it home to me. And <laughs> and for me, it was a validation of things that I intuited were true, that, that what's inside of us is so important. I, I remember when we would go in to visit New York City, where I now live, I would look around at all the people and think of how they were walking around with a world inside of them the same way I was. And so although, you know, I was as much of a materialist as any other person raised in the United States, um, I understood from an early age that it's what we bring to our outer life from within us that makes the difference. And reading that book really helped me start accessing the uh, the wisdom of the ages, so to speak, to, to find very practical ways to change my experience of myself and of life. Now, and that's fantastic. Did you start practicing yoga at age 11? I did. <laughs> did you really? And then you became yeah. a leader in this on this front as well as in meditation. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, I I was always interested in the physical postures and I I've been blessed with a limber body although I'm not so uh, naturally strong as as many yogis are, but it was the um the meditation part that really enthralled me. The so you started meditating as young as high school? 
Uh, it was even before high school. I was an adolescent, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Now, did your parents engage in those practices, or you just took this up on your own? <laughs> I, I actually I can't imagine that. myself meditating at 11. I'm sorry. I'm involved now, but not at 11. <laughs> I, I taught them some years later. Um, but for me, learning about meditation was a lot of realizing that that's what I'd been doing. Right. Just giving it more of a formal package, so to speak, more formal mm-hmm. recognition mm-hmm. in my life. And that was a relief to me because I always thought that I was just daydreaming. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and here I wasn't daydreaming. I was absorbed in an inner reality. You were quiet. Cool, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is really the place where we, we all need to check in every day for even for a few minutes, you know. Soon you had a following, you know, after you went on this, this quest, this spiritual and physical, mental, you know, quest to, to better yourself and to better the lives of others, and people started flocking to you. I, I remember reading in your background, you said that there was one thing that people were not doing, and that was they were not setting boundaries. Did that lead you to my boundaries? Is it myboundaries.com, your website? My Blessed Is that the course? My Blessed Boundaries, right. I have a voice reader that reads things very fast sometimes. MyBlessedBoundaries.com. <laughs> MyBlessedBoundaries.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, f- so that people trust themselves to know when their boundaries are being imposed upon uh, with the kind of confidence that they have when somebody steps on their toe. You know, we don't second-guess ourselves if somebody steps on our toe. Right. But, uh, if we feel uncomfortable on a subtle level, that's the first thing we do is second-guess us. So my quest is to help people validate their sense that something's off and get to that place inside where they feel safe and grounded in themselves and take it from there. Well, let's give people some examples of when they should be, you know, what they're feeling to identify when they need to be setting boundaries. I mean, it can be as the smallest thing. Yesterday somebody was trying to talk me into something at the nail salon, another $25, and I really didn't want to do that on top of my manicure and pedicure. And I kept saying no. And the girl knows me, and I thought, isn't this interesting? I was leading up to this interview, and I thought, even the smallest things like that can be bothersome, you know, right down to a friend who wants to continue talking for an hour on the phone when you want to get off, or, um, you know, those are just small things. And I think that what is bothersome is not so much what's coming at us, because really most of the time it's not people who are deliberately abusive, although that happens. It's just people who want more of our time, and we don't want to give it. But right, what's right. what's bothersome is that we don't feel okay saying, you know what, i got to go. <laughs> I already said no. <laughs> no not now, why do we feel so guilty? Why do we feel so vulnerable and guilty? I think a lot of it is a fear of rejecting people. You know, we mm-hmm. don't want to feel rejected ourselves. We often jump to that conclusion um, much too easily, and we don't want to impose that on somebody else, but also we don't want to be the person who hurts other people. So a big part of my message, Kristen, is that when we don't hold healthy, compassionate boundaries, we do hurt other people. Because we suffer. Yeah, and we let people take advantage of us. We're not helping Mm -hmm. them. 
You know, they don't want to be bad people. They're Mm -hmm. looking to us to kind of hold up our side of the bargain, which is to say in a very clear but compassionate way, I'm not interested. You know, you're Mm -hmm. great, but I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. And if we get the you're great in, you know, if we have some eye contact, if we say it with a a smile, but we say it verbally, Yes, we say it with love. Like, I'm not rejecting you. I just don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not... You know how people often say, I can't afford it? And what they're really saying is, um, I don't choose to spend my money like that. Mm-hmm. So I talk to people about thinking in terms of being more direct about their money, because that's one boundary, but right. also about their time. <clears throat> I don't choose to spend my time like that. Be be possessive of your time. That's how you can transform your life. Now, that's one of the things where some people feel selfish and guilty because they feel that they should, maybe they're not giving enough, you know, and that, um, you know, one of the things I think you said is you give more in your relationships, you know, than, than other people. You end up feeling taken or um, overwhelmed at the end of the day. Those are some of the symptoms when people are, are overstepping their boundaries with you. Yeah, and, and so I'd like people to start thinking in terms of an enlightened selfishness. Mm-hmm. Because it's our, uh, if I may dare to say, sacred duty to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, now, what kind of shifts do you help people with to, to create a shift in their life? How, how, could I, how could I or someone else create a shift in their life to start changing if there's someone who always says yes when they want to say no? The first thing, and this is something we can do right now, is to get in your body. And an easy way to do that is to flex a few of the large muscle groups. So whether you're sitting or you're standing, right now you can flex your glutes, your butt muscles. You know, and if you're mm-hmm. sitting... You'll we all need to do that. Yeah, it's a good thing. It has lots of uh, advantages to do Yes. But if you flex your glutes, you'll you'll see that you're sitting higher in your chair. And do that a couple times and then move to the quads, which are on the the top, the front of the thigh. And with them, you probably want to do one at a time, do the right one. And you can put your hand on top so you can feel if you press your heel into the floor, it's going to engage your quad. You can do one side and mm-hmm. the other, and then put your hands on the backs of your legs and kind of drag your heel, again, if you're sitting, drag your heel toward your butt, and that will usually engage the hamstrings, the large muscles at the back of the thighs. You do that one side, then the other side, go back and forth a few times. Kind of makes you feel grounded. I'm doing it now. Yes, I was just going to ask you, did you notice a difference yet? Because people usually feel a difference within 60 seconds. Yes, and the focus is off my thoughts, and it's on the present where it should be, which is engaging in, you know, my body, so I feel more connected. Our bodies have real clear boundaries, and when we are comfortable in our bodies, when we remember that we have bodies, we are present in the moment, which is when mm-hmm. we have all the love and the power 
that we need to address whatever's coming at us. Mm. And so if people start practicing this, just making friends with your glutes, your quads, and your hamstrings, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, link it to something that you do, like when you have your coffee in the morning, you know, right. when, uh, maybe every time you walk to the ladies' room, mm-hmm. and uh, on the toilet even you can be doing this. Mm-hmm. And you, you start <clears throat> having a different relationship with your body, that you start literally feeling more grounded. Literally. Mm-hmm. And more grounded means more present because you used the term overwhelm before. People, when their boundaries are being breached, they're likely to feel overwhelmed. They feel... And out of control. They're out of control and and they're kind of like a cloud, you know. And what mm-hmm. I'm talking about is bring all of that spaciness into alignment. Mm-hmm. And then, well, not being able to say no, I mean, can can just pile up like trash in your system, because it's you know if you if you're not able to assert yourself and and speak your real feelings and people are taking advantage of you, that can really lead to to ill health. I mean, tell us about some of the things, some of the problems that it can lead to. Well, uh, what I see happening, especially with women, and especially with women who are caregivers, whether they're teachers or they're mothers. Mm-hmm is that they are running on empty. Mm-hmm. And so the enlightened selfishness is this um, this idea of, you know, when you're in the plane, if the oxygen mask drops, what do you do with it first? Mm-hmm. Put it on yourself. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise the person who's dependent on you gets to watch you die, knowing they're next. And I like yeah, I'm sure it leads to high blood pressure and so many other different, you know, stress uh, stresses in the body. Absolutely, it, it aggravates any inherent medical weakness in the country, mm-hmm. and it can be so easily changed if we start changing our thinking and realize, as I say to parents and to professional caregivers, like when I'm teaching in hospitals, the care of the family or the care of the patient begins with the care of the caregiver. So that I've not... seen this happen in a dear friend of mine. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, a dear friend of mine is caretaking for his mother who has Alzheimer's, and he, he has no social life anymore. And, you know, he's spending every single penny that they have. And, he, you know, of course, he's got a wonderful, beautiful mother. And, you know, I, I feel terrible for her position, but I've watched his life go downhill fast. And and that's very sad because he never gets out. He never gets out for, barely for a walk with a dog, you know, doing his work and taking care of her. Right. It's very common in this culture, you know, more common than we would like to believe. And it is a perspective that we need to shift. We need to include the care of the caregiver in the care of the patient. Yes, yes, Absolutely. Now, you brought a lot of these practices to mainstream medicine, which is so fascinating. I mean, uh, I've been someone who's been studying alternative medicine and different practices for years and came from a a medical family. My dad was a doctor and specialized in infectious diseases. Uh, But it, it really interested me when I saw your background that you were able to break through that and work with the National Health Institute and Yale and Harvard. And uh, Tell us about some of your work. 
Well, the secret to breaking through was that they invited me, Kristen, because I love no that you can I love make it. it happen on your own as an outsider. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was in the 1990s, and the opening for me was in infectious disease, because that was, um, you know, in the AIDS crisis. Not that we don't currently have a crisis, but right. it was even before the advent of the pharmaceuticals that we yes. have now that are helping so many people. And um, the the doctors in infectious disease around the city started hearing about my work. Uh, I had a program at Gay Men's Health Crisis in which I taught the clients there to self-practice with Reiki and to meditate. And as one doctor who later came to me for training said that he noticed that any of his patients who were doing better than would be expected were talking about Reiki practice. And so when um, Beth Israel Medical Center created what, to my knowledge, is the first complementary therapies program in an outpatient HIV hospital clinic, Mm-hmm. They approached me to help set up um, the program and specifically the Reiki part. What a compliment to all your years of study and work and acknowledgement. It's, it's just wonderful, wonderful. Well, and, you know, so, it was a place where I really had to hold my boundaries. <laughs> I'm sure. And realize how holding my boundaries enabled me to be a better collaborator because in areas where it didn't matter to Mm -hmm. what I was doing, Mm -hmm. I could let them make those decisions. And then when it came to something that I really couldn't compromise, they respected me as the expert to say, no, you know, this is a place where we have to do it this way because, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, because doctors need to have a, a rational understanding and so giving them that whenever that was available was helpful or honoring the boundary of what we know and what we don't know and, and saying science does not yet know that about Reiki practice or back then the benefits of meditation because then mm-hmm. we didn't have the research, you know, that we have now. Now, can you tell the, our listeners, for those of people who don't, aren't um, familiar with Reiki, a little bit more about it? Reiki is a spiritual practice, somewhat like a meditation that you deliver with your hands. So the foundation of it is self-practice, and I, I learned to practice Reiki 30 years ago, and I have started every day with some self-Reiki practice, which is great because it brings you into that alignment that we were talking about before. You know, it makes me present in my body, body, mind, emotions, spirit, you know, every aspect of us all working or being together. And what a great way to start the day. Absolutely. Now, is it just a a movement of your hands, special exercises, or...? No, it is a spiritual practice that is empowered by an initiation. So I see. You can do laying on of hands, self-healing, mm-hmm. if you like, and, and many of my students who read my book, Reiki, A Comprehensive Guide, before they come to the class, have started that, moving through the placements, and they feel a benefit just from doing that because they're setting aside time for their self-care 
And laying on of hands healing is probably the second oldest profession known to humanity. So they feel better, but then when they come to class and they get the initiation, they feel that that experience is up a bit. Is this book an e-book or on audio? We have some listeners who are visually impaired. Yeah, it's um, to my knowledge, it's not available on audio, um, and I wish it were. I would mm-hmm. love to do that. I would be happy to read it myself. But um, it is available as a hardback and also on the readers, you know, where you can make the print quite large. For right. Or it, so it's not an e-book. Um, no, it was published by Torture Penguin. I see. Okay. Okay. Um, because, you know, sometimes if you get it as an e-book, then the voice on the computer, that's what I have to, to uh, work with now, will read Hi. the book to me. So maybe I'll just get a good friend to read it to me. <laughs> What's the name of the book so we can tell everyone out there again? Reiki, R-E-I-K-I, A Comprehensive Guide. And uh, if you Google Pamela Miles, M-I-L-E-S, Reiki, It'll bring you to my website, and there is a link there that talks more about the book. Great. Now, let's get back a little bit more to your uh, myblessedboundaries.com and your, your workshop and some of the tips. What is heart writing? Heart writing is the application of a, um, a writer's tool called free writing to get to know ourselves better. So free writing is the opposite of composition or formal writing. It's the opposite of everything we learned in school. Free writing is something you do to just kind of loosen up your connection to your muse if you're a writer, to get the ideas flowing, you know, to get in the zone. And what I have done is developed programs in which we start with a few minutes of spiritual practice, either a meditation, and I offer a... um, recorded meditation people can use if they need it, or if somebody is trained in Reiki practice, they can do Reiki practice. But you want to practice long enough so you feel your awareness drop into your heart, drop inside yourself, and then you just open your eyes a tiny bit, reach for your keyboard or pen and paper, and you start writing from a prompt. Uh, For example, the prompt might be, when I feel loved. And you allow your heart to speak to you through your fingers. So you're not editing. You don't know what is coming out until you see it on the screen or the page. And it doesn't even have to make sense because if you stay with the process, by the time you finish in 10 or 15 minutes, it will have come together in a way that's surprising and in a way that people feel an inner opening happening so that they're exploring their inner space in a very comfortable way, getting to know themselves better, getting to like themselves better, and what happens next? They trust themselves more and they start setting boundaries with greater ease and grace. That's beautiful. I mean, I practiced um, just sort of, um, I even had it in my handbook, Second Vision, you know, purging my feelings uh, in front of the computer. You know, you just get on when, whether it was good or bad, just just getting a lot, you know, just free writing. But I've never done anything like this, and I'd, I'd like to try it. So you start with the meditation, and I, I like the fact that yours is prompted by, by a thought. 
And also I do, um, the program will start next on January 29th or 27th. Um, and before, when we get closer to starting the program again, I do some free online classes. And we spend about an hour, and I take people through the process, and we do some heart writing actually then, because I want people to be able to take that process and and do with it what they will. And if they want to go deeper, if they want to have an international community of people who are also going through this particular path of 14 days of active writing from um, the prompt, and and sharing uh, your experience, not your free writing. That's always personal. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but sharing about your experience and your insight online in community, then they can join us for the program. That's terrific. Now, is that a Skype call or that's an online program you take by yourself? The class, the free class, is on uh, GoToWebinar. Mm-hmm. So you can get to it through your computer or on the phone. Mm-hmm. And the program itself is the prompts are sent every day by email, and there are um, links when you finish your heart writing for the day, which you do at any time of day that works for you. There mm-hmm. are links that take you into the private area of my website, of PamelaMiles.com, where for every day's prompt, we have a page where people can share their experience and support one another. And I also offer a series of short articles about different aspects of boundaries and, and keeping your boundaries and finding your boundaries that I write specifically for this program. They're not available anywhere else. Oh, that's great. And that starts up uh, in a week or two, you said? Um, no, that doesn't start up until the end of January. We just finished, actually. You finished the one. Last okay. Day of, of one, yeah. Great, great. I'll have to um, uh, set a reminder on my phone. Get on the mailing list, and then I'll let them know when. That would be fantastic. The, uh, you know, the free online classes. Yeah, it sounds like a wonderful course. Can you give us some examples of before and after people that you've worked with? Well, I found that people who have um, felt like they lived at the mercy of have told me that they came to experience what they were living at the mercy of, and it wasn't what they thought it was. So Hmm. they were able to find the roots of it inside themselves, and not by digging. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not harsh. It's a very very gentle and productive self-exploration and discovery, a process of self-inquiry that people find, you know, not only a deeper sense of of self-love, but they also, from being grounded in their sense of self, they're able to take a look at the dumb things that they've done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and And see that, wow, I was just doing the best I could. And I can do better and and start reorganizing around this profoundly positive, accepting sense of self. Being more now, did you, did you have this happen in your life, 
did you experience, were you someone who, who couldn't set boundaries before you did, you know, you went into this practice? You know, that's a very good question. <laughs> the reason why I came up with this program was because I noticed that although I'm very sensitive and I would rather please people than make them angry at me, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I am quite confident setting my boundaries. But I, I do it in a, in a careful way. You know, I'm always looking to connect with the person if that's possible. And, and I really thought about that. I contemplated it for a long time. How did I get there? And I realized, Kristen, that it was from my years, decades of spiritual practice. And that relentless self-inquiry has been a spiritual practice I've had since I was a kid. So I then looked to see how can I share this with people? How can I help other people who don't have this spiritual yearning that I had as a child realize how practical spiritual practice is and how accessible it is? You know, we when we think of spiritual practice, we think of yoga, we think of meditation, we don't think of writing. But no, we don't. We don't. Practice. And we all know how to write. Mm-hmm. And if people have a reason why they can't write, they can do this kind of heart dictation. You know, the point is you get to that place and then you can start talking into your cell phone, <laughs> send yourself an email, whatever. Of course, of course. Whatever it takes to make that direct connection to your heart. And once you learn how to do that, you start accessing that in lots of different scenarios in life because it feels good. Yeah, because it's, well, it's just like, you know, it's your spiritual gymnasium. So it's like going to the gym. If you don't go to the gym for years, you know, you're going to be very out of shape. So we have to work on that same muscle. And that's why it's called spiritual practice <laughs> because right, we have right. to actually do it. But we have we to do it. Have to spend hours doing it. You know? No. How, so, well, to, that's a good um, point. About how much time do you spend per day uh, meditating or, uh, you know, heart writing? You know, I'm not a good person to gauge that by because I... Because it's automatic for you? And I do it. Yeah, for me, it's, it's there's not only my formal practice, but it's ongoing throughout the day. Yes, but that's true. But I can true. tell you that in the program... Um, People practice for maybe five to ten minutes, and then they heart write for fifteen minutes. So we're talking. Well, we can about, all afford to do that. We can all afford to do that, especially when we notice we start sleeping better, and yes, being more productive and efficient at work, or you know, even if our work is managing children, that yes requires us to be on top of things. I mean, maybe yeah, I mean, more I, than the job. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I had a um, someone on, we were talking about Tai Chi last week, or Qigong rather, and I had studied Qigong for a year. And then, you know, I just kind of fell out of the habit. And I thought the other day, and, and we were talking before we did our interview, and, he, and my friend Glenn said to me, you know, you can still do it five minutes a day. And I thought, you know, he's right sometimes. So now I catch myself just doing quick exercises, sometimes seven minutes or, and just breathing. And, and just by doing that, I feel so much more centered and focused. And that's what I hear from people all the time. Yeah. Anything we do is a yeah. plus. And so it's a plus. Stretching, breathing, getting quiet. It, you know? 
Mm-hmm. They say, oh, I can't do enough. And I think this is something the media has really uh, contributed to. Oh, you have to do 40 minutes of this three times a day or something like that. You know, no, we don't. Because no. every moment we're making a decision. And we mm-hmm. can start making a decision that takes care of us. Well, and sometimes that breath or that quiet moment can save you from uh, a terrible fight. It can save you from a bad decision. It can save you from being impulsive. It can save you from feeling sad. It can save you from a lot of emotions that you wouldn't want to connect with or feel, yeah. experience. It can save us from making a lot of mistakes. It can save Yeah, ruining a relationship, anything. Door, you know? Yeah, saying the wrong thing. Saying yes when we want to say no. Saying yes so, when we want to say no. Before we finish, I would like to leave you with one other thing that can make a huge difference besides the, the muscle um, flexing that we did, and that is to create an exit strategy, which is so much easier to do nowadays when we have cell phones, and we all know that cell phones, you know, maybe we're not dropping calls so often anymore, but a lot of times we're out of the zone and we can't hear so well, right? Yes, yes. So um, to have a way that you're comfortable saying, i got to go, I'll have to get back to you. Right. And don't let anybody force you to commit to something in the moment. Mm-hmm. Don't let that happen because there's no good reason for that. No. Only in emergencies do we have to make that kind of split-second decision. And you know what? In an emergency, we know exactly what to do. I know. I know. So if we don't know exactly what to do, if we're uncomfortable, back yourself up and back out of the situation. And you can even say to the person, you know, I so appreciate you thinking of me, and somehow I think I have a commitment at that time. I don't think it's going to work for me. So if you need a, a decision right now so you can extend it to somebody else, and I completely understand that, I'm going to say no. But thanks, and let's get together another time. I mean, who would feel badly? Being No one. Badly? No one. And I think we all need to listen when you feel that tightness in your chest, that, that you know, maybe there's a decision coming that you don't, you don't want to act on, and you can, your body tells you. Your body is an alarm. Your body? That's the first sign. Or your state, where you start getting anxious. Yes, you start yes. feeling confused or overwhelmed. You feel pressure. And people yeah. have different ways that they notice it. But one of the things that I do in the free classes is I ask people, how do you know? And, you know, people know. When they stop mm-hmm. to think about it, they realize that they all have a signal that lets them know that uh, something's not quite right. Right. They'll look back. And and so often I've said to myself, you know, my first instinct said, (laughs) and then I think, why didn't I listen to my instinct? (laughs) But we're all human. We're all here to grow, right? Well, Pamela, it's been an absolute delight and pleasure to have you with us today. And if there's anything else, any other nuggets or anything you want to share about your your class or your website before we close, please, um, it's all yours right now. Well, I can just let people know that there are two um, websites. One you can access through myblessedboundaries.com, and the other is the Reiki uh, website, reikiandmedicine.org. And on there, um, people can find out how they can 
connect with me. Um, if you go to the myblessedboundaries.com and you don't want to wait till January and I applaud you, we can do a private session. There's a sessions tab there, and we can do that on the phone or, or through Skype. Um, people can come here to New York City and, and learn to practice first-degree Reiki, or I will be teaching in um, San Miguel in Mexico in um, March if anybody wants to take a little vacation and a little self-care combined. Fantastic. Thank you. And your meditation tapes, are they on uh, the iPhone, on CDs, on how do we... They're downloadable. They're downloadable? Yeah. So they'll go right onto my iPhone? Yeah, if you, again, if you go to myblessedboundaries.com and then you'll see on the website that that takes you to, there is, it says meditate, and that will take you to the place where you can get that. Great. And how long are they, the meditation tapes? Um, It is a full CD that I did with a friend of mine who is a uh, Bansuri bamboo flute. Master, and so there are many different tracks which people are going to be interested in depending upon their level of expertise. You can choose the ones that you want. There is a three, about a three and a half minute finding the natural breath, which people tell me they listen to in the middle of the day to help Great. them connect. Or Great. there are uh, four that are between 10 and 15 minutes each. I'm going to check them out. Yes, been an absolute pleasure, and thank you, everyone, for listening today. You've been listening to Second Vision with Kristen McDonald and boundary expert Pamela Miles. I hope you'll look into all the wonderful uh, tips that she gave you and into her website and workshops, uh, just as I'm going to do. And remember, just say no when you want instead of yes, because it can really, really impact your life if you don't assert yourself. So... Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening. I'm Kristen McDonald.